Welcome to the Win-Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum. I'm the Director of Evangelism in Australia and have over 30 years of experience training and equipping people in this field. Every interview and episode on this podcast is designed to help you become more assured and equipped to share Jesus in relevant ways. Day in and day out, I'm creating content to help believers in this space and all the while reaching my own world for Jesus. During this podcast, I'll introduce you to some amazing guests that will share their knowledge and experience. Together, we'll grow in our ability to share Jesus with our world. Welcome to the show. We're here to win, win, win. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldron from Evangelism in Australia. Today, I'm chatting with Bill Hodgson, who is a church movement leader for Oceania and North America with Power to Change. I'm super excited about today. We're talking about how to reach this neo-pagan world. Welcome to you, Bill. Great to be with you, Tina. Really excited about this conversation. It is great to have you along, Bill. We've known each other. It's three plus decades. <laughs> That's exactly right. Very exciting and always been so inspired by your work and what you've done in ministry, both in Australia and reaching across the world. Tell us a little bit about your current role with Power to Change and what you do. Currently, my role with Power to Change is I work with our church movements team, and our focus there is to uh, work with the body of Christ, with existing churches and church planters that we might see our Jesus-centered community within reach of every person, which is not so much about geographic distance, it's about relational connection. A church or missional community, faith Jesus-centered community within relational reach and connection of every person. So we do training, we do coaching, we do practical training in actually engaging with lost people. And our focus is uh, to do it through evangelism and disciple-making at the coalface. Absolutely fascinating. And it's so exciting to hear what you do and, and what is going on actually in Australia, through Australians and across the world. So neo-pagan, reaching this neo-pagan world or this new pagan world, I guess it begs the question, what's new about it from your perspective? Yeah, great question. Yeah, it's newly invented in in Western contexts. I mean, you know, uh, uh, I'm no kind of great historian, but we all know that in a in in a Western now secularized Western context, we're we're kind of post post Christian, and in that realm of where the church and Christianity is kind of a legacy thing at best for most people. There is no shortage of spirituality, and the spirituality that uh, is just projected from the heart of God's created beings is there's trying to answer questions around like, where do we fit in the world? How does the world work? But without a Christian worldview as the foundation, we've gone back to basically what you'd often call animism, although that sounds a bit too primitive. You don't think of animists living in Melbourne or in London. And so neo-paganism is a is a, a very with it kind of way to dress it up. And simply it says that people have a unfulfilled spiritual longing 
They have a fundamental belief that there is a supreme being out there, but that being's probably disconnected relationally from us and our experience. And then it becomes extremely pragmatic. How do I just get by? How do my, my fields be more fertile? My business return me more. My life experience less pain, more pleasure, more joy, less grief. And it's the sort of stuff we read about um, in, in the Bible and in, in every culture where people create, in a sense, or adopt a deity that they can placate and will help their life go well. So it becomes very pragmatic. So whether we're talking to a, a lawyer dressed in a business suit, he or she, or whether we're talking to someone sitting on a beach with a guitar, you can engage these people in very easily in spiritual conversations and very easily in, in issues of life that may have a spiritual dimension to it, and they will have those conversations very, very easily. That is a big shift, isn't it, when we talk about this new pagan world, is this level of spirituality. How did it used to be? If we're talking this as the new pagan, how was it before? Like if you look back on the decades, how would you have described that in in comparative terms? Well, there's always been spirituality because we're spiritual beings, you know, the classic old statement, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. But when we were from a Christian worldview that was more predominant, then people tended to frame that up with those revealed truths. So there was a sense of, yes, there is one God, and he's given us instructions through the Bible, and there's not all these other deities around there. Nobody seriously really was looking into those things. And if you had a conversation with someone back 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and it went that way, you thought they'd been smoking weed or something rather. You know, it was like, really? <laughs> but in, in this generation, people will have, in many cases, you'll encounter more and more people who have kind of, they're either rejected or they're just kind of disinterested or uninformed about established Christian worldview and understanding of things. And they will go in one moment from talking about whatever other global issue there is or hard economics to then talking about their spiritual guide or what helps them get by. And it's kind of new age, but there's, there's nothing really new about the new age either. It's really a, a modern dressed version of uh, paganism. Yes, it's, it's a fascinating time and I, I love that we get to actually understand the culture and we can, as Christians, be better than at loving, at engaging with the world around us. What's one of the biggest tips then that you would say if we're going to engage with this neo-pagan world, are we still wanting to tell people or is it kind of, has it shifted? Yeah, it has. A, a lot of apologists and people kind of wring their hands and say, isn't it terrible? We, we can't even see Christianity in the rearview mirror anymore. We've gone through so many corners. We're post, post, post-Christian. Terrible. A loss of truth, a loss of this. I don't share that same fear, actually. I think it's a wonderful new opportunity because what, one of the shifts, I think it means that the classic approach of presenting the, the um, revealed truths 
of the gospel as the beginning place, I don't think that is the classic beginning place anymore because the view of truth is quite different. And therefore, the role of apologetics is different. The neo-pagan worldview is characterized by extreme pragmatism. They are less concerned with, is it true conceptually, more concerned with, is it real? And it's real when it makes a difference to my experience. That's real. Uh, If I experience a change in my circumstance, my inner peace, my physical being or whatever, if a problem is addressed, then I think, wow, that's real. What's behind that? Then I inquire as to the explanation which leads to truth. Whereas we used to have a lot of encounters where we'd be talking about, you know, the points of the gospel and we'd want to give down an explanation and then we'd have our sword fights between two different views of truth and my truth versus your truth and you could hear the sounds of the swords in the background and eventually we'd kind of decide someone would yield or they wouldn't yield at all and it was kind of a bit of a game around ideas. I'm not trying to say ideas aren't important. I'm simply saying that when you encounter someone who's from a neo-pagan perspective and operating in that point of view, there's a much quicker way to get to their heart and that's to love and accept them. Yeah. It's to agree that we view there's a spiritual reality behind the world as well, and it's to invite them Mm. to experience what your God can do in their circumstance. So it can be very, very simple in in inviting them. Can I I pray for you on that need you've just shared? Because for me, I find when I ask Jesus to help me, he makes a difference. Can I ask him to help you? Sure. And then as we pray... Very brief, we don't go religious. As we pray, we're inviting the God of the universe who is present there with us. Jesus, touch this person's life that they know you are real. They know you are real so that they might come to know you are true. So you see, it moves it from arguing about is my truth truth or is your truth truth? And it takes it into that space of would you like to experience a solution to that problem that you're having? Can I ask Jesus to help you, for example? Yeah, that's a great example. So, Bill, from my point of view, I don't think I need to be walking around with that fear of, oh, gosh, if I say something about Jesus or if I offer to pray for somebody because I've found that Jesus has answered my prayers, I find that that fear it's not and it shouldn't be there anymore because people are more palliative to a spiritual option in the conversation. Yeah, exactly right. And you can go straight to it. You don't have to kind of dance your way around it through apologetics and getting all these points in place and then say, and da-da-da-da, now there's a spiritual world. They start with that as the baseline. They're not materialists anymore. Mm. So we can start with the baseline. And the point of conversation is often around shared experience their experience and perhaps a need that surfaced, that need for a job interview, to excel at school, to to sleep, have a sense of peace for healing, whatever it might be. Uh, And our experience of, of how Jesus has made a difference in our life in that specific area and inviting, can I pray for you? in Jesus' name, and and that he might help you experience him. That doesn't mean they've come to understand truth or given their allegiance over to him as Lord, 
but they've now discovered something is real and that raises the question, what does this now mean in my experience? <laughs> I just love it because it, it, it's the truth. You, you're preaching me happy, Bill, because I'm seeing that happen <laughs> in my own world. got some great news today. Our Share Jesus membership is making a huge difference. We trialled the concept in 2023 and I'm excited to be able to invite you today to join our community. Inside the membership, you'll receive the weekly information and support you need to share your faith with ease. I cannot wait to meet you personally in that community. It's great value, but registration is closing soon. So please go and check it out, www.sharejesus.com. Can I say, I would imagine that this information that you're sharing with me today and for those listening, that we are trying to have these conversations very conversationally. Yeah, yeah. Where it's inviting discussion. Talk to me a little bit about that because we don't want to become, I guess, those dogmatic or uh, one-way you know, monologues. Yeah. And not only are less people capable of doing that effectively and well, some are really good at it, but most believers aren't. But the the second thing is um, most of the people we're encountering, it's not effective, you know, in communicating with them. It's not communicating to them within their own worldview and within their own language of their heart. So therefore, it's more blah, 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 right? Whereas for every believer, it makes evangelism and this missional conversation just so much more easy and accessible. I could give you dozens of examples, but just to give you one, I was buying a coffee in a cafe at a a marina out of Melbourne, uh, been down to visit a friend, and I'd been talking to this friend of mine about engaging other people in evangelism and just having Jesus conversations. And so as we were talking about this, we went into the kiosk to buy coffee and the old sailor behind the counter, I could tell he was an old sailor because he he looked like he'd been soaked in salt for a while. But uh, as he was serving his coffee, my friend said, oh, he's a bit of a grumpy one, um, whispered in my ear. And so I thought, oh, Lord, what, what might you want to do here? So the old guy behind the counter asked our order, and then he kind of told us his complaint again and his back wasn't good and whatever. To cut a long story short, I simply thought, hey, here's a chance to, to see what God might do and to see how I can model it to my friend. So I simply said in conversation to this guy, I, I understand the pain of that. Last time my back was out, it was excruciating. I don't know how you can be standing there at work. Yeah, you're right. So I said, for me, I don't know what works for you, but for me, as well as whatever medication I need, I just asked Jesus to help me. And being a God person and a follower of Jesus, that's the way I'd go. And you know what? He makes a difference in how I'm able to endure that, and he makes a difference in how I go through that experience. Can I pray for you? And (laughs) now the guys only go to say yes or no, right? Right. Nothing to lose. Well, he's thinking, well, I've tried everything else. Sure. So 15-second prayer, you know, in Jesus' name, I pray for my friend, mentioned his name, 
and that he'll know that you love him and that you care about his situation, that you give him relief in his back, a pray for healing, and that he'll know you. Amen. Well, you never know what's going to happen. So we'd like to think, oh, and it was instant healing. <laughs> well, I found that it's not often, at times, yes, but typically no. But I'm waiting to see how does God reveal in his experience that something just happened that was real. And for this guy, it was kind of, uh, oh, was that prayer, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like he just kind of, he's just talking to God. Yeah, yeah, that's what prayer is. Really? You mean you could just do that anytime? Yeah, you can. You can do it. Really? Oh, uh, <laughs> so and I don't know where all that went because I don't go to that marina and that's the only coffee I've ever bought there. But he- here was an example of how these opportunities are just everywhere. They're all around us. Mm. And how God reveals himself in their experience can be as different from a miraculous event all the way, well, it's always a miraculous event when God reveals himself full stop, but it can be as different from a, a healing to, I had someone once who just even teared up and I said, are you okay? And the person said, you know, no one has ever prayed for me in my life. Wow. And I, I, once I was blown away, but secondly, I was not would not have expected that that would be how the Holy Spirit touched the person's life so that that person knew there's something real here. I've just experienced something real. And then have the question, what is it? Of course, there's more to the journey to help them understand and make the connection that what you just experienced was a touch of God and he wants you to know him personally. That's the rest of the journey, of course. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited, Bill. I just want to run outside and just beg the Lord for more people to talk to. <laughs> and, and Tina, it's so much fun. <laughs> it is so much fun. And there is such a spiritual opening in our nation. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there is in other Western countries as well, wherever you're listening from today. But there is such an opening for spiritual conversations for you know, people just are not are not pushing back when it comes to dropping something in like this. So I want to ask you then a question that I guess we're clarifying this as we chat, Bill, but let me ask it very direct. So given all of this information that we've been discussing today, there would be some things then if we're going to reach this neo-pagan world, there are some things that we definitely do not want to do. So let's underscore those things. So what comes to your mind? Uh, yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind, we, we do not want to make it a what I believe versus what you believe because that takes it straight away to the head and that is usually not the way to the heart for these people. We don't want to go out there and we start with all the big theology, the big truths of the, you know, the person of Christ and salvation. and all. We have to get there eventually, but that's not the beginning point. We don't even need them to agree with those things to start the conversation and move down the pathway. So that would be one of the things we don't do. And we don't judge them as foolish, as stupid, as um, uninformed, or as anything else. We love them. We love them, and we see what God is doing in their life already, in that he's 
given them, a, if you like, a sense that there is a spiritual reality to life, to all of life there's a spiritual reality. And we celebrate that they're not atheists, right? They, they don't think that it's a material-only world. They actually say, you know what? There is a spiritual dimension to life. Uh, we, we agree with that. Mm. And so we have a conversation and we meet them in the experience. We love them. We enjoy them. We don't judge and we don't make it a, a battle of ideas at the front end of things. Those are really good. I mean, if we just all put those on our, our our mirror or our door or in our car or wherever that we could actually just have these do not do these things this week could be really helpful. So I'm getting the sense from everything that you're saying that it, we really have to be positioned to go on a journey with people rather than trying to get for some quick fix results. Is that how you see it? Yeah. Uh, the example I gave is perhaps a bit misleading because it was a stranger. It was one of those encounters, much like, oh, I met this person on the on the plane flying from here to there, or I, I was preaching at the steps of the station and a person walked up to me and I've never seen them again. They're kind of the exceptional encounters, and we ought not build our day-to-day life practice of mission on the exceptional. It should be built on the everyday. And the everyday examples we have are people that we do life with regularly, Uh, the people we go to gym with, the people in our basketball team, the people that, you know, our neighbours, we put the bins out. How do we do life over the the longer term with people? And and what's an evangelistic approach, a missional lifestyle that will go the distance with those people that won't stall and just go stale and plateau, but neither will it burn them out in the first conversation and they never want to talk to us again. And part of that requires that we are loving people, enjoying people and interested in their life. And as they share about their experiences and we share about our experiences in that sharing of stories and life experience, the difference Jesus makes becomes pretty clear. You know, it's not religious. It's just, here's the word again, it's real. It's real in our experience. Uh, He really does make a difference. They will see it. We will share it. And that raises curiosity. Would you like to know how he can work in your life as well? It's more than relationship or friendship evangelism. It's more like the Celtic monks that went into dark Europe in the early days and how they encountered the, the Celts. They came in and they did life. They helped people do life better. They brought real solutions to the people's everyday life problems. And those people said, you know, your gods, your God rather, is far more effective and fruitful in changing your life than our many gods ever have been. Tell me more. Mm, Yep. Absolutely. I'm so glad you made that distinction that it's uh, more than friendship evangelism. I'm glad you made that distinction because it's an exciting time to be alive. This has been an incredible conversation, Bill, and I'm going to drop in the show notes for you so you can stay connected with Bill, powertochange.org.au, and then you can discover through there the church movements page, which pretty much is a forward slash church movements, but powertochange.org.au where you can see what's going on and you can stay connected. There's some incredible resources there to keep you moving forward and 
reaching out to the world around you. Bill, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. No problem, Tina. It's been a, a real joy. And I know we've just touched the surface of it, tip of the iceberg, as they say. And I really pray that as people just relax and get into the conversations and help people experience a touch of God, the living Jesus is right there. Then that ask the question, their friends will start to say, wow, what of the unthinkable that Jesus is real? What if that is true and real? How can I know him? Then you can walk them through how they can know God in a personal way and start that journey. Really pray that your listeners are, are, are stirred up to dig into it more and, and have fun doing it. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Bill. Thank you.